Excuse me, Veronica. <clears throat> yes, what is it, Brick? I would like to extend to you an invitation to the pants party. Excuse me? The party, the pants with the pants. Party with pants. Hello and welcome to the Pants Party. I am your host, Harrison Starr, joined as always by Ben Ross. What's up, man? How we doing, baby? Just ready to, you know, I think we took a good break. It was needed. Clear some mental health space. Both had some family things to tend to in different states. Now we're back, locked and loaded and ready to to till the soil that is the content that we'll be digging up between now and September. Yeah. Yeah. We, we will absolutely have to do a lot of tilling. I do want to take a moment to at least discuss the start for why I wanted to take a little bit of hiatus just because it's something that you and I had talked about offline for a while. Um, my dog Harley passed away and it was really sad. Um, I remember talking to you in October when she was diagnosed with cancer. It was all over the place. There was really nothing we could do um, except, you know, manage the pain. And honestly, I do think like this podcast and chatting with you every week has been a, a nice distraction from some of that um, as we went through it for almost exactly six months. And it was it was tough when it happened because it came out of nowhere without coming out of nowhere, if that makes sense. And uh, she was the best dog, and there is no replacing her. And I just wanted to take a little bit of a minute to to talk about that. So um, thank you, Ben, for for giving me that space. And let's move on to happier topics because uh, there are certainly some. Of course, happy. Thank you for sharing. Um, well, all right. I think the happiest topic I think you found um, is a little bit of three-on-three action. Yeah. So um, Robbie Hummel, a man I shared a couple of drinks with at Harry's uh, Chocolate Shop in uh, West Lafayette one time. Um, he is like the star of this basketball team. And maybe not the star, but the most known by virtue without of, he was the only person who i know but yeah heard of yeah but i guess the there's uh like canyon barry um rick barry's son youngest son I, well maybe not youngest um and then a couple other guys one from princeton and then uh i don't know where the fourth guy is but he's like a five nine guy um rated as the top player in the united states which to me is like a fascinating wrinkle to this. Like, can you imagine if they just ranked NBA players all the time? Oh, it reminded me of like the forties when like that, that player, he's like, he worked, he runs a nonprofit in New York. Right. And they mentioned he has has a salary of $40,000 a year. (laughs) So it's like everybody had other jobs. Um, And at the same time was also, you know, the, the point guard for the generals. Yes. Yes. I mean, it's just fascinating. And reading this story on The Athletic, it was called The Fresh Princes of USA Basketball or something like that. They rented out this house in Beverly Hills because 
Um, well, Red Bull did, and which I have yeah. questions about Red Bull's marriage with the Olympics. Like that has seemed some very, or rather, the U.S. Olympic team. It just seems very strange that a staunchly German company, <laughs> proudly German company that owns a, uh, a Bundesliga team, among other sporting teams, an F1 team based out of Germany. I think two F1 teams, right? Actually, I don't know. Or two drivers. That's how it works. I think it's um, two drivers, yeah. Yeah. Uh, is taking such an interest in American sport. Little surprised no one's really tried to uh, unsur- uh, unsurface that, but I'll let you continue. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's something else to unpack entirely. But um, it it cracks me up because it reminds me of just the bougiest version of Foxcatcher, that, do- that documentary with Steve Carell. No, that movie with Steve Carell and Channing Tatum from way back when, where it was basically this guy funded a wrestling program to develop Olympic caliber wrestlers. And that... I, <clears throat> That's just a comparison I can't stop thinking about. Obviously, this is much more on the up and up, you know, when you involve a, a there isn't like a mentally unstable chemical air <laughs> behind behind this, but yeah. No. no no DuPont chemical is not involved in this as far as we can tell. And it just cracks me up that this is how they're almost I don't want to say forced to to train, but how they're kind of pigeonholed into training like this just because they can't go around and like hoop at local Los Angeles um, parks because those were closed off with COVID. So they basically, they just rented out this house, brought these four guys in, brought sounds like a whole support staff as well. There's some video of them just doing drills and things like that. And the, I think maybe the, the funniest anecdote for me was how they would play video games, but they wouldn't like play in the same room together. They would play in their own rooms on headsets, I guess. Uh, just a lot to unpack with it. It was just so funny to me and uh, really just a tremendous story. Um, trying to see who who wrote it. Let's get, get proper credit there. I had there. never heard of it. Yeah, I heard of the writer. Joe um, Varden. Joe Varden. Funny, yeah, that's how we played video games in college too, in our dorms, and also when I when I had roommates, we would be playing COD against each other across the hall. Good times, yeah. I, you know, three on three. It kind of seems like, you know, I I've been one to enjoy TBT, the basketball tournament. I've actually been to a game. Um, kind of feels like this is going to be. I don't know. Obviously, TBT isn't a, an Olympic sport, whereas three uh, three on three is now. But it's kind of felt like in the same sort of realm. It was like talking about how guys can only make money off this if they win first or second at big tournaments. And that's obviously what TBT is. I think the pot has grown grown substantially now. But um, I'm hope that's you know that's something that's able to grow with this as well. Yeah, I'm curious to see like what it turns into if there can be a circuit. I know there's the the big three league. I think that's what it is, but it, it mm. seems, uh, I mean, it's just, it's not guys who have I mean, dedicated their livelihood necessarily to three on three basketball in the same way that these four have and others around the world. Um, it's, you know, old retired guys who are past their prime playing in a league based on their star power. And it's got some interesting wrinkles, but um, the, the three on three, it's, 
I'm curious to see if it can become something. And if there's like a circuit, would I go to uh, a circuit in, in the future? Maybe if it's close enough. Yeah. Bars nearby, easy transportation, $10 ticket. Yeah. Not doing anything else that day. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up, I shared this on Twitter. It was a silly thing to share because no one liked it. But I found, I think, a summer drink to make, Ben, because back in my early 20s, we would do, <laughs> we would do the summer beer stuff. And I don't think I can mix the beer with the liquor anymore. So mm-hmm. I found this drink and it was the watermelon mint beer, essentially, that they framed as a, as a uh, summer beer. And I have to say it was pretty delicious. I will definitely go back to it. But the question I have for you is, do are you in uh when you have a mixed drink that involves beer, do you have the ice or not have the ice in it? I'll have the ice. I can only think off the top of my head, uh, one, getting like a nice cocktail at a bar that had a beer in it. Uh, and it was like a pineapple IPA and it worked. It was a delicious mm. cocktail. Um, I have never, nor do I think I ever will mix beer. I'll, I'll make a beer mixed tail uh, by my own hand. Cause it just seems like a lot of moving parts. The, the, the clientele I, I, I mingle with uh, after hours, I don't think would, <laughs> would that would be up their alley, you know. Traditional beer, traditional cocktail, separating church and state is something, you know. Uh, the ice doesn't bother me. Quick anecdote: I used to hang out at a bar when I lived in Uptown Minneapolis called Stella's Fish Cafe, and they would serve PBR on ice there because it apparently was a bar that people went to after that, like. I, I don't know. They said miners would come here after work. I don't know where in Uptown there was ever a mine. Um, and it would never, the miners would never have beer that was cold enough. So they made them put them on ice. And that was about where I'm going with this is I made limoncello and that's better than any summertime drink you can ever make. Yeah. I do want to, I do want to talk about this Ben because yeah, we'll this was something, this was something that I can't remember it's been so long ago. I can't remember if it was on the podcast or not, but I remember I did bring it up on the podcast. So yeah, let's close, yeah. let's close that circle then. How, how was it? What alcohol did you use? What lemons? What was the worst part of the process? Uh, excellent questions. Used $13 Costco vodka. Um, okay. The step below their gray goose brand, uh, tower handle type. Uh, Use that and got a big bag of lemons from Costco too. And that, you know, had to peel those, let those sit, um, let those two, got a big bucket, let those in the fridge for about 15, 20 days. The recipe recommended like 10, uh, but I had to fly fly out to Minnesota uh, last second. So we had to delay. Don't think it really changed the outcome. Second, you need, you need 30 lemons to make this. So the first 15 we got from Costco, they were great. Second 15 I had to get from, cause I don't have a car. I wasn't able to get to Costco. I had to get from a, a local grocery store and they, the quality was not up to snuff for those, those. And with those 15 lemons, you sort of make, um, sugar. You make the syrup. You could have just done the simple syrup uh, with just sugar and water and doing that. But I wanted to 
do the sciencey thing and you let you know the sugar melt the lemons to create a syrup for about 24 hours i think i should have gone 48 hours and not 24 um and maybe that was quality of the lemons talking i don't know uh but you have to juice those and just have lemon halves and lemon quarters and a couple item and a couple different jugs and buckets um sit let those sit overnight with two cups of sugar and uh create a very nice pleasant lemony alcoholic beverage you know i think next time we're gonna i'm gonna try and control the consistency of the quality of the lemons a little bit better might um you know i'm okay with the vodka i used i don't want to step up people i might want to maybe throw in a bottle of everclear in there too so i think it could be a little bit stronger um especially if i get the these these sugar the sugar syrup right worst part was i mean it was really easy it was really really freaking easy um just takes time worst part was clean up it was and having all the vessels you need it just took you know you, i needed a strainer or i needed like a fine mesh sieve and a strainer and a big bucket and Ugh. all the vodka in the world just the the cleanup uh, was not great but i you know i had two two full liter two, yeah so it's two and a half liters of limoncello uh that i have gonna give him as gifts and drink the rest it'll be a nice time that is incredible the uh will you just drink it straight in mixed drinks or uh, i just drink it on the rocks it doesn't yeah you know, i don't know what else i'd mix it with it's it's so good that, yeah that that makes sense this is like a super throwback thing that happened at an internship I had in Pittsburgh. I worked in procurement and one of the buyers would, he worked with a company that bottled liquors and they would send him some of their like limoncello. And um, there's the one that's a niece. I can never remember what Mm. it's called. Um, Yeah. I wasn't old enough to drink then. If only. If only. So, uh, I think, I know, I know, I know. Oh, well, I'm trying to think if there's anything else random to, to add. I think the one, the one thing I, I do like with the beer mix drinks is the Michelada. I mean, I think to me, that's a staple and yeah, I but mean, you just, do, you just use gin with your tomato juice, like a take, crazy take person. It, yeah. Take it or leave it. Whatever. <laughs> so closing out that circle well um a lot of stuff has happened in the months since we've been gone and i think the the we dragged our feet long enough i know the the first thing i think i want to discuss is football we've talked ad nauseum this offseason about a certain basketball player so we will save that towards the end so it it closes off it gives us a, a an end time and doesn't allow us to ramble on it, but football closed their spring practice. And it seems like Iowa is going to go into the season ranked somewhere in the teens. And right now I, I guess I just don't get it. Uh, Maybe this is just me looking at it and seeing the trees in the forest. I'm looking at every single worth that they have. I'm looking at the the things I don't necessarily like, the things that scare me about the schedule, which is irrelevant to their ranking. And I just have a guarded 
and pessimistic feeling about this season, especially when, as JP shared in uh, the Slack, the pro football focus has them as the number two uh, most winningest team in their simulation of the mm-hmm. Big Ten. And I, di- I don't know. I, I guess I, setting that up, will, will you try and dissuade me from pessimism or uh, join me down in this little bunker? Uh, my only question for you is how many other teams in the country ended the season on a six-game winning streak? Uh, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I, yeah. it, it, it was – Two, right? Like, I mean, it was like I mean, Alabama. I have absolutely no idea. I just thought about it as we were bringing, I, you know, I didn't know you were going to bring up this pessimism, pres- whatever. Um, that I, I seriously am wondering that. I don't know. And I don't well, think I, it matters. That, that's, I mean, <clears throat> I don't think that's something that this is PFF, right? They, they don't, or yeah. just the AP ranking. I don't, I don't know if that's what they necessarily look at, but it's like, <sighs> hmm. Who uh, Iowa loses, the thing is, like, Iowa won six games. Is this working? Um, last year, basically without Brandon Smith and Amir Smith-Marset, Iowa's two most explosive, explosive players. Um, didn't really need them in any of their six wins, really. I mean, ISM's you know backflips and everything will be missed, obviously. But I think he ended the year with what, like three touchdowns and 300 yards. Like Nico Regani can do that. Um, Tyrone Tracy can do that. Uh, Tyler Goodson is now going to you know no longer sharing carries with Makai Sargent. So take on the offensive side. You take that into consideration. The offensive line. Maybe got addition by subtraction um, this season. You know, I think I could sell you on that. Where and then the tight end Sam Laporta, you know, is a uh, all all Big Ten. What's one behind a front runner? You know, potential front runner and an All American sneaky pick only because he's an Iowa tight end. So the offense then and then you get Spencer Petrus who. It wasn't great last year, and again, this team won six games in a row. Um, with you know, we don't have to talk about the first two games of the year because that's tough. I'm super scared. I, I there's nothing I hate more how we play Indiana first game of the year. I think that is some some bullshit. Um, I absolutely hate that. And then uh, who is it? Colorado College, and then Iowa State, or not Colorado College? Colorado State, then Iowa State, right? Or no, it's Iowa State. It's Iowa State. Then it's Colorado Indiana. That- State. It's Indiana yeah, than Indiana, Iowa State. Yeah, Iowa State. that's, that's yeah. some bullshit. That I mean, really, uh, that is, you know, I think Indiana was kind of lightning in a bottle last season, hopefully. Um, then on defense, uh, yeah, you lose Goldston and you lose All-American nose tackle and Davion Nixon, but after that, like, you know, I, my, my biggest worries have always been how the interior of the defensive line is going to look. Um but I guess you just have to think there's nowhere Petrus can go but up. And if he does, I mean, everything's going to be – the offense is going to exceed every single metric it did last season. Even if okay. he mar- marginally improves, which I'm not saying he's going to. I don't necessarily even believe that, you know. And, again, it might not be – you know, Iowa could go 0-2 with Petrus and then dump him and then see see where things go with – Deucer, 
Padilla, but even if I went 0 and 2, I don't know if they dump Petrus. It would have to be pretty disastrous on his part. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe I'm just overthinking the Petrus stuff. And I'm also, like, I guess the other thing that that I think about when I think about Iowa's projection is the total losses along the defensive line. Only having, I wonder if there's a fair question to say, like, how much did Van Balkenburg benefit from having, you know, three guys who warranted double teams along the offensive line? That's, that's something that scares me a little bit. Um, can he be the guy that requires a double team and can still break it every, every so often? Um, the potentials along the line, I think that's, that has been my kind of blanket stance is we're talking about enough guys that cream is going to rise to the top and, you know, pulling the strings is Phil Parker. If there's, I mean, that, that's the, the answer to, to me being pessimistic is, is Phil Parker still employed by Iowa? And the question answer is yes. So maybe that's just the reason. But I just, I still go back to just a, a hot take that I have that how do we know that Iowa didn't hurt less than all the other teams as a result of the COVID stuff. They didn't have anyone sit out that couldn't be replaced. Jimon Colbert, I think, was maybe the the most notable one. But Jack Campbell and Seth Benson performed very, very well in his stead. Um, and, and Barrington Wade. And Barrington Wade, yes. Yes, Baltimore Ravens own Barrington Wade. Um, and I just think that, like that was the perfect season for a quarterback to come in in front of nobody, just glorified practices. And that's an exaggeration. Like these were obviously games, but there was an exhibition nature to them with I mean, you no fans make, in the stands. You can make the argument and we don't know, maybe Petrus is better in a hostile environment. Maybe. I mean, there are players who I think he's got, got that clutch gene. Yeah. Well, not even that. It's like, you know, there. I think there's definitely, you know, people who are practice players and people who are game players. And, I mean, obviously, yeah, to an extent, you have to be a practice player to, to see any game action. But, and I, again, I don't, I'm not saying this is true, but, for, I mean, really, for all we know, Petrus will be a better quarterback by virtue of having, you know, a crowd. Yeah, I guess it goes it goes either way. I, I guess, I I don't know. I Maybe I'm just, I see him doing the workouts in New Jersey and it's, it just feels a little stale. When you wrote New Jersey in the doc, I thought you meant New Jersey number. I didn't think the state. (laughs) I had no idea. (laughs) I had no idea. He's in what quarterback goes to New Jersey to get better with the, where Tony Rassiopi, I believe is his name is Tony. Is that the same? Is that the same QB coach that Stanley hired for his combine because I know that was an East Coast guy too it it is in fact that same guy are you positive um, really yeah and I think maybe the thing and this is the guy who was fucking chirping Ken O'Keefe 
saying they have that a good he, relationship. We're we're told to that they do have a good relationship. Apparently. Do you not remember the the quote last year saying that after like three days, I totally fixed Nate Stanley's throwing motion. Like I couldn't believe Iowa's own quarterbacks coach was having him throw this way. I mean, obviously he's basically a hype man for his for his client at this point, but still a pretty crazy quote. It is crazy, and like I. I mean, to me, as much as anything, this just feels like a PR blitz. Hey, we know what Spencer Petrus needs to work on. He knows what he needs to work on. He can't do it at Iowa because we only have 45 hours in the spring where Ken O'Keefe can work with him, and it's not like we're running these drills every time. And that can be done in a week at with this guy, with 45 hours I mean, they're probably not doing it eight hours a day, but you you can have that one-on-one learning there. I guess I would feel a lot better about it if we saw the fruits of what happened with Nate Stanley, but because that happened after his senior year going into um, the draft, it, I don't know, like, I don't think it would have hurt his draft stock necessarily. Um if he didn't go there, maybe it would have. But point being, we don't know what he looks like on the field with this. And to me, wearing shorts and a t-shirt, throwing to a single guy running a single route, there's just a lot more that happens on a football field. And I don't know. I don't know. I just, seeing is believing with me in this team, especially Spencer Petrus. Sorry. Well, it's also worth noting now that we're in Stanley's in the conversation that he's about to be out of the, out of a job because Vikings drafted Kellen Mond, which means they Stanley, you gone pretty soon probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that doesn't give me probably. great confidence that this is a quarterbacks guru that our 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 boy Nate Petrus is Spencer Petrus rather <laughs> is hanging out with this summer. I don't love that. And he, thing, what you couldn't you couldn't find a throwing coach in California? Where are you from? You couldn't find Todd Marinovich's dad. You couldn't. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there is nobody in California for you to work with. I guess it's just weird to me. It's what it is, I suppose. Um, what was oh, I had a I had a thought, and it was fleeting, and then it left me. Oh well. Maybe it'll come back to me when we're discussing something else. I guess the maybe the, the final thing to talk about with football, I really don't want to talk about this much, but the Kirk Ferentz kerfuffle about the money donated. Um, there was one guy, Tyler Schuett, I believe. He was living in the mentions somewhere. He said at the way it worked with... Um, Kirk Ferentz's million dollar donation was for $250,000 installments. And the fourth of which happened in 2020. So you had that, you had the hundred thousand that he had pledged previously for a hundred thousand. And then you had him repledging another hundred thousand for $450,000. And that comes out to roughly 15% of his salary. Now that's, not what they necessarily said he would do or said everyone would do. And he was the outlier among Iowa's big four coaches. Everyone else took the haircut. 
So I see why Ference did it the way he did it, but I don't necessarily like it because it's not money that's coming from an operational budget necessarily. It's money previously pledged going back into his program versus here's $450,000 for Barta to reallocate as he needs to, Um, which I don't know. Like I, I don't like thinking about, you know, spending other people's money too much, but it just seemed a little, left me feeling a little salty, I guess. Uh, uh, there's a lot I think we don't know. Between yeah. Ference and his donations to the university, I do agree. It's two completely different things. This money can't be used as a slush fund for Gary Barta to try and save some skin before he gets fired by the new president. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, the money he's going has to be used very specifically for, is it the hospital or is it like the actual football complex or UI yes. health? Yeah. So, I mean, his $250,000 donation, a part of the million, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that, it, certainly there's, that's nothing to shake a stick at. Right? Exactly. Awesome. I mean, it's more money than I'll ever make. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it, but it's, it's for a very specific thing within, I believe it's prenatal research is what it was earmarked for. And then the hundred thousand dollar donations are recurring ones that go into, to your point, kind of like the, the, the Hawkeye per edge fund, I think, which really is, to me, it's like him renting his own office space in a mm. way. Um, it's not obviously that, but it's money that goes into the football program and isn't necessarily used by anyone else. And it's paid out over now 10 years. I guess it ends up being a million dollars, right? Um, so again, nothing to shake a stick at, just executed differently than everyone else did. The most interesting thing to me was O'Ference still received his bonus for going to a bowl game, correct? $100,000 bonus, and he still collected on that, which I think is... That's the only sort of eyebrow-raising thing to me that nobody I really talked about, I think. That was the only thing. I was like, okay, I mean, yeah, technically he did reach the bowl game. Missouri backed out three days before, but, like bowl game's not getting played. Like, I don't know how that contract looks. Probably looked really pretty rock solid, but that was the only thing to me. I was like, all right, I don't, I'm not sure he really needed that hundred grand to participate in a game. He's not participating in. Well, yeah. And I guess the other thing too, on top of that is there's still a month left in their fiscal year. He could donate that 15% exactly how it's written in the the original press release. Because to me, that's... I mean, this all comes back to just Barta bungling this thing. Like, if he says, you know, these four coaches are taking a 15% pay cut or extending previously ple- pledged and now expired donations, like, that's a way to work around it. To me, I mean follow the money it kind of comes down to neil cornrich i think like ference is helping his his guy out by uh you know not having him 
amend the contract like the other three coaches did to bring it down 15% for a single year. Um, because if he amended the contract, he could have put in there, oh, some clause for six wins that existed for his eight win clause. So to me, it, it's a story that's since passed, but was, I think, worth discussing with however lukewarm our takes were um, by virtue of having missed it. Yeah, you know, the problem is I simply simply could not care less. Um, at the end of the day, you know, what Ferentz did with the money wasn't going to change my opinion of him. My opinion was of him is already set. And uh, who am I to tell one how to spend their money? Exactly. Exactly. So, Ben, that brings us to mm. the coup de grace. Mm basketball the the story that keeps on giving back gift that keeps on giving this iowa basketball offseason oh boy oh boy so i think this has been more dramatic than any football offseason i can remember i was oh yeah i was one year after rabdo gate so i can't really count that oh yeah i mean that one that one was a doozy. I Texas, think that was Texas was our first year at the blog, and yeah, that was whatever. Um, and then the other thing that comes to mind, obviously, this past off season. Uh, <laughs> oh God, for football, and then God, the other one was uh, airbag, angry Iowa running back hating guy. Uh, yes, that, yes. That, was, that was a midseason. That was a po- mid uh, off season that's spilt in the midseason storyline. Uh, that guy, that deity, excuse me, mm-hmm. let me just take yeah. a moment to pay my respects. I'm going to kill a lamb after this. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start with maybe the good, right? The good since we had left is Bo Hannon. No, he was back when we, yeah, when we we've already talked about that last discussed. And I called did him we a discuss, liar. you did call him a liar. Um, was it also on this podcast? You pre- you you predicted almost exactly what happened. Anyways, we'll uh, I, we'll get. I, to I went back way. and I made all of my predictions when we were stopped recording because they were slanderous in nature. <laughs> and obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty. I wish our Patreon subscribers they got a piece of my hot bohan and takes, but I guess now I just I won't hold anything back because. I predicted this exact same situation from happening down to the very bar. You did say I, DCs. I did. I definitely said this is going to happen at DCs, and what, guess what? It happened at DCs. Uh, so, anyways, the the thing I do want to discuss before we discuss that is bracketology. I know Ben ah. May bracketology has Iowa as an eleven seed, and that's why I got confused a little bit because mm. um, between Lenardi's first bracketology and the second one there were no decisions made with Bohannon or Rebraca. And with those two in the fold, Iowa is an 11 seed. And I, I think that is a very reasonable place for them to be. Um, it has them roughly eighth or ninth in the conference. I think eighth just ahead of uh, Northwestern and Wisconsin that are um, first four, next four out. And I think they can do it. 
And I think that would be a really successful season if they were able to make the tournament. Am I wrong there? Um, I think getting in the tournament is all that matters. Kind of <clears throat> sounds underachieving, if you ask me, for a team that is coming off a two-seed. Um, typically, teams that get two-seed sort of reload, not reconfigure. My question for you is when the hell does Joe, Joe Wieskamp have to make his decision? It's been months. If you would have told me the NBA draft already happened, I would have believed you. Uh, well, Ben, the NBA draft has not not yet happened. The NBA uh, lottery hasn't even happened. Um, Joe Wieskamp has until July to make his decision. And that is what it is. I guess here's here's the case for why Iowa's expectations are where they are. It's because Jordan Bohannon, he is the guy who had the most minute share returning at 72.5%. That averages out to basically 29 minutes a game. Then we have Connor McCaffrey at 56%. And then you are dipping to Keegan Murray at 44, Patrick McCaffrey at 36, and Joe Tucson at 28.4%. So I think, like, yeah, it's fair that oh, Iowa was a two seed. Why are they sinking like a rock? Well, I think they were unique in how they were a two seed. They were a, a developmental you know, trajectory um, with Luca Garza's freshman season starting at 14 and 19 to a two seed. There's a lot to say about that. Sucked how it ended, but endings always suck. So... Um, Get back to the grindstone, baby. I guess that's don't what you think. That's, don't you think, though, in eleven? And again, I have no idea. <clears throat> don't you think, though, if Wees can't returns, an eleven seed is a huge underachievement. I agree there. I, I think okay. that if I think I think if if Wees Camp is back, and, and I mean, he's an enigma. Like I, I think that that's kind of the consensus. I think he has the capacity to be an alpha dog. Um. I saw plenty of that last year, I think. There were some games where he was just demanding the ball. Um, and he can he's a streaky shooter. So, you know, he 46% um, on the season. And then, yeah, I think you see him returning and probably should be in the 7, 8, 9 range, um, depending on who they beat who they lose to. Um, but frankly, here's here's my hottest take about Iowa basketball is a tournament run from them is not going to come from an obvious seed. It's always going to be from when they're that underdog, like, or have the chance to play a team that just, that beat, that upset the other team. Like, I think to... Uh, um, what's a good one? Like when Mercer beat Duke. Oh yeah. Mercer beat Duke. It was Tennessee who advanced because they played the week six seed after beating Iowa in the playing game. Now you go back and that was Iowa's best chance to get into the sweet 16 was that very first season with, with Fran McCaffrey. And that's um, very first tournament with Fran McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's my hottest take. So I think your original point is, 
it's all about getting into the tournament. And if they do, it's a success. Um, and I think from there, you just let the die cast as, as they do because shit happens in the tournament. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're right there. There was always predictions. I mean, yeah, I covered that Dayton game, uh, against Tennessee and there was always predictions for that game's one of the sweet 16 and you know, they're right. Yep. 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 Uh, I think about that sometimes. Anyways, um, the next piece is mm. CJ Frederick. Oh he officially God. committed to Kentucky. You're really walking this dog. I am walking this dog, man. <laughs> I, I am doing all that I can. Uh, CJ Frederick, he met with the Kentucky media, said no one ever reached out to him. Sure, Jan. And that's really all I have to say about that. Yeah, I, I don't care. I forgot about him. Alrighty. The piece de resistance. Mm. Jordan Bohannon. Um, bon he unfortunately got decked outside of DCs. And I think the very first place to start is one, no one deserves to get punched out the way he did, which mm. was some combination of blindsiding and sucker punched. And the second piece is in a college town, chaos is just going to fill the stillness of bars closed. It just is. Unless you're waiting in line for your food, minding your P's and Q's, things are going to happen. So get your food, get out of there, and go to sleep. Yeah, I mean, and furthermore, DC's, I think more than any other bar, at least in my experience, is... <clears throat> the one place where you're able to sort of have lots of space to congregate outside of the bar after close, um, like tons of space. No other bar really. I mean, Union, I think Union's closed now, right? So all the other bars in the Ped Mall um, don't really have I mean, brothers too, obviously, but DC's for whatever reason, the crowd, you know, in my experience, that was always sort of where things got rowdy at the end of the night. And, worth mentioning DC's is a bar where the Zach McCabe incident happened. Um, again, you know, there's rumors about what Joran Bohannon was and wasn't doing to warrant it. You know, I watched the video. If maybe you got a higher quality version, if people weren't saying J Bo's down, I would have no idea that's Joran Bohannon. Yeah. I mean, he, he was, you could, I, mean, I could tell. In that was that about original. his role. I was never able to tell. That's about as fuzzy as a video as you'll see taken on what I assume was an iPhone in 2021. Um, well, the guy who posted it was Siren 4, so it might be an Android. Bummer. Yeah, that makes sense then. Fucking idiots. <laughs> um, <laughs> and wasn't even in landscape mode. Ah, oh, fools. Uh, never is. I know, it absolutely never is. You know, uh, I... I Here's the thing, like, I predicted this happening. I knew, like, and here, here's why I was so hesitant to say it on a hot mic, was because Jordan Bohannon is the type of person in the type of situation where the people I hunt around with in college would not, have in, would not think twice about starting up some dumb shit given the first opportunity they had to. 
um, if, you know, Bohannon was doing allegedly even half of what he said to be doing, you bet my ass, I have 10 friends from college who I still hang out with who after three big mugs of fucking Bud Light at um, DC's would take the very first chance they have not to swipe at them, but to, to run their mouths. And then things would, you know, escalate from there. You know, it, it just... And I know I'm not the only person who ran with people like that in college, and I'm not going to be the first or the last. I can just is the most predictable thing of all time to have a 24 year old kid who is as visible of any Iowa athlete that I can remember stick around like a sore thumb for his sixth year of college and if he's still going out and getting rowdy at DC's on a Friday or Saturday night, you know, this shit's going to happen. I'm sorry, but like (laughs) this, you can't avoid this in Iowa city. Like I've got friends who had four Paula's, you know, and I (laughs) like, it's just, some people are just magnets for this kind of thing. And I think, you know, Jordan Bohannon is, he's a magnet for dumb shit happening after 2 a.m. I think that's a fair way to frame it. Um, I I said to you in a text, I am the Bohannon apologist on staff. I think there's a good chance that he could be a first-teamer, as uh, JP wrote last week in his mailbag. I think he is very intriguing as a shooting guard. And to your point, he is the most notable athlete, Iowa has had who looks like a normal person. Like, I mean, when you, when you think about it that way, like no one's going to mess with Connor McCaffrey. Connor McCaffrey is six foot five, tough as nails. And he's just a big dude. Like, I mean, that that comparison, no one's, no one's going to mess with Alex Marinelli, who appears to have been in that video, um, stopping it. Um, so, to your point, he's a magnet for this type of thing. And his online persona as a bit of a troll seems to be very in line with the persona he took in that video where he skirted his behavior right right to the line. And I think that that is fair. I don't think he escalated it. I, I don't think he certainly didn't de-escalate, but at the end of the day, no one deserves to get punched out like that. No matter what they did at any point, that's not the way. I disagree. Is done. I, but I mean, I couldn't I disagree think- more. I think there's plenty of ways reasons to punch somebody out, and I don't know if Jordan crossed that line or not. I. From the the rumors I heard was he was throwing ice chips at a bachelor party. Yeah, I don't think that's a reason. I I don't think that's a reason. I think if you're sick of him with a camera and hit your face, you can just walk away. And to, to that kid's credit, that person's credit, it appeared as if he was not the guy who punched Bohannon. There's more to come on this, obviously. And 
I guess ultimately I'm just, it sounds like he's recovering well, which is the first thing you think about with the head injury. He got hit in the head. Who knows if he landed on the concrete? We don't see that. It appeared as if he took another shot while he was on the ground. But man, it's just know your surroundings to your point. You're 24 years old, basically. When I was 24 years old, sure, was I staying out until 2, 3 o'clock? Yeah, but, like, I was also not in a college town doing college guy things, right? I mean, somehow I've only witnessed one bar fight or one person get bloodied at a bar. And, man, you just got to know better. You just got to get out. Just get out. There's an old Bill Simmons column where he went out with like worldwide West and West goes in at like midnight or 2 AM. And his point is like, nothing good ever happens after midnight or 2 AM. Just there's nothing good that happens. You can go, you had your fun now sleep it off. But I, I you're right. I mean, did you, do you want me to say that one more time? I do. <laughs> You're yeah, right, Ben. You, you, you had predicted this. And, and I think you mentioned the McCabe thing. I, I want to connect this like in an Iowa sports way because it seems like there is a, a weird culture that surrounds Iowa sports, especially basketball, where it feels like the fourth wall breaks down in terms of online things spilling into like angst against a fan base from the, the players, Bo Hannon, you had Zach McCabe. And then I honestly think maybe the most high profile thing of this was when Adam Woodbury dunked and then shushed the crowd at Carver Hawkeye because he had heard so much, gotten so much grief. And is that, something that happens with other fan bases where there are these like public rifts between the players and and its fans. It, if maybe, maybe it's like me looking at the, the flaws of this Iowa football team. I'm just too close to it. I look at that specifically that I miss other instances of this, but it seems unique, right? Like, I mean, it's weird. It was, you know, it, when it's weird, cause, and I think it's probably still the same. Iowa basketball players in the off season, we you would see them at the bars every weekend, you know, when they weren't in season. Iowa football players, you would see them see them in the bars three weekends a year. You'd see them the weekend of the bye, uh, the weekend the season ended, and uh, weekend before they went home for the holidays. Um, and that was it. You never, ever really saw football players out at the bars. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, and, I, and I don't necessarily think, you know, current growing program with an iron fist is one of those, is reason number one on that list. Um, I think, honestly, truly, is for them to avoid these kinds of situations. Because <laughs> if a football player punches a guy, like, you could kill him, you know? Like that, that becomes a, you know, a whole thing. Um, 
you know, ne- rarely ever saw wrestlers at the bars. But for whatever reason, and I think it's fine. These guys, these kids are 18, 21. They're adults. They can spend however t- much time they want at the bars. But Iowa basketball players just always seem so much more visible on campus and also because, you know, they're really freaking tall. Not to say football players weren't really freaking huge. Um, but I, I, they just seem so much more accessible, and that's sort of how Fran ran his program too. Um, and so maybe it's going to be tightening up the leash. You know, I can guarantee you, you know, Bohannon kind of just – probably screwed up any partying he had planned uh, between now and the season, I guess. He's going to have to spend the rest of his time at Joe's or Hilltop Tavern or Dave's Foxhead. Deadwood. Deadwood. That's Deadwood is a little bit too close to the riffraff, though. Oh, I guess. I guess. It's just right around the corner from the Ped Mall, you know. Um, yeah, that's, fair, that's the fair point. The capital's gone. We lamented that in the comments. <sighs> you know, I just think Bohannon – is a little bit unique uh, going back to like the McCabe incident. You know, I think McCabe was well within his rights to fucking sucker that punch, sucker punch that guy. McCabe was gigantic kid could have played, you know, uh, tight end. He was a in, tight end. Yeah. In, in college. And I happen to know the person who he did punch and he, it's not a big guy. So like, you kind of just sort of like, you got to eventually get a cash check. You didn't expect to, um, and, you know, and I don't – and then we go back to, you know, Claiborne punching a cab driver, you know. Oh, yeah. Thing, you know, play stupid games, win stupid prizes, um, you know. It just happens. Like, I'm thinking back to, like, at Oklahoma, was it Spencer Radler at the end of the season we saw get the living shit beat out of him in a bathroom? Um, by – they were either wrestlers or MMA guys. But it's two Oklahoma players. One, and I'm pretty sure one was Spencer Rattler, and one was like a tight end. Like two big Oklahoma football players got their shit rocked. I mean, you'll be able to find this right away. And it was clear, like, and this is crystal clear 1080i, <laughs> good iPhone footage if you haven't seen this. And that's what I've seen. But it's like, oh, well, it's not even a, a fraction as bad as this. So, I mean, this will get put to bed pretty quick. Yeah, the and, name was Spencer Brown. That's the, the guy. Oklahoma, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so two Oklahoma football players, I think they're in cowboy boots, just getting tossed on the f- floor of a bathroom at a bar in Norman. Uh, oh, that was out of Brothers, though, I think, if I'm seeing this okay. correctly. Was it a bar in Norman? Was I wrong? It was definitely, no, it was definitely <laughs> a bar in Norman. Definitely a bar in Norman. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, maybe the the lesson is how clean it seems like all this has been like, I mean, in terms of you look at the track record under Kirk, the track record under Fran, it's not like we're seeing this happen every weekend or every year. I guess there's Cordell Pemsel's stupid DUI or OWI. Um, Peter Joss, moped escapades. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe it has happened a little bit more than than I realized, but they, you know, like you said, they're they're twenty one, they're twenty two, they're twenty three. They're allowed to do what they want to do. You just be smart out there. That, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Avoid avoid areas where riffraff can occur. I mean, Iowa City is it's a small town. I'm not gonna I'm not ready to call it a police state, but. You know, it's, especially now with cameras everywhere, it's pretty tough. 
I mean, I'm thinking about, I mean, I was pretty serious when I said, you know, I've got friends that had four Paulas, like, yeah, uh, you know, just trouble seems to follow certain individuals and there, you know, there's no way you can avoid this from happening. Unfortunately, I think, I mean, obviously the fucking is don't throw ice chips at a fucking bachelor party at DCs at 2am. But my, my overall point is, I think, I don't think, you know, the program, you know, is to lend itself to things like this. I don't think it's a dirty program. Like I'm listening to a podcast no. about the U oh. with Bruce Feldman right now. No. Like it's nothing like that. Comparatively, Iowa runs a tight ship football and basketball wise. So I'm, this is, doesn't to me, people can take what they want. To, it all um, goes back to Hannon. For uh, I think the benchmark is remember when Sam Stoll got shot by another wrestler? <laughs> like oh my god, that yes. is a store ultimate story that went away. A fucking heavyweight champion for Iowa got shot by another wrestler in in a third wrestler's basement in Iowa City, and nothing happened. So this is just small potatoes. Yeah, I, that's a, a great point. So long as he comes out healthy on the other side, I mean, I presume that there's going to be some type of criminal complaint that we get to follow against our wishes. I'm sure. Just in terms of like, no one wants, no one wants to follow this. But I, I can't. I just come back to like, God. I guess I'm a lover, not a fighter, Ben. Maybe that's just what it comes down to. Yeah, clearly. And right now, I just can't stop thinking about. Wouldn't John Bohannon rather his face on a billboard selling insurance off of 80 right now instead of it being planted on the brick cobblestone oh, pavement? Oh, Ben. Oh, uh, that was City Pet Mall. He could have had it if he just listened uh, to me. He could have. He could have. But he does not. He does not. I guess any, anything you want to wanna wrap up, Ben? I don't think so was there anything on that list you emailed that yeah um, i didn't outline we hit everything um i think we did a bang up job um as always as always as always um i guess one last thing two minutes here festival season ben is back and i bought a ticket Oh, you're going to Lollapalooza? Oh, absolutely not. No, I'm going to Pitchfork, which is a smaller musical festival here. Who's who's headlining for you? Uh, I'm going on the Friday show. I'm going to see Phoebe Bridgers and Animal Collective, two very different genres of music. Ooh, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. I'm excited. It's not until September, so I got, got a while until it gets canceled. And uh, well, I I think we're 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 there, Ben. We're vaccinated. I think so. We've got yeah. the jabs. If if I need to get two more rounds to go to Austin City Limits, I would do it again because I am pretty stoked for that. Not a big country guy, Mm-mm. but George Strait headlining on Friday in Texas. Yeah, I don't know who that is. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Let me see. Um, he's opposite Miley Cyrus. Ooh. Which is a little disappointing because she she'll put on. I like show. Miley a lot. And then you have Billie Eilish and Rufus Dilso. Like I like Rufus. That, okay, 
That's that's a tough one too. And then the third one is Stevie Nicks and the baby opposite each other. So there there are plenty of undercards that are to my liking, including Phoebe Bridgers. Yeah. Um, but uh, very excited, very excited to be amongst the masses and probably develop anxiety because I'm too close to everyone. Yeah, you know, I went to a wedding on Saturday night here, and it was all systems go, 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 baby. It was big. There were a lot of people indoors. I mean, there was outdoors too, but dance floor, all that. I don't know. I do not. I mean, whatever floats your boat, I was comfy with it. Yeah. I mean, I'll be fine with it. But mm-hmm. I, it'll just the first time with a bunch of people. I'm, I'll probably have to tailgate a, a an Arkansas football game to to get back into the swing a little bit. Um, I know I was at Northwestern in November. Hopefully, I think we'll have tailgates here by then. They should. They should. Yeah. Those those Northwestern folks need to be able to drink their highfalutin they were, clear liquors in their expensive expensive suits and they were socially distancing before the pandemic anyway Ooh, as as a joke goes yeah i'm not ready to uh make any northwestern jokes i will wait (laughs) until until we beat them yeah yeah so um that's That's why i was there i will lost when was the last time i was in chicago for Iowa Northwestern. They probably a lot. I, I'm it can't pretty have been the sure it was game. That was 15 I, years ago. It was a. I'm pretty sure it was a, no, a Noah Fant drop on fourth down. Oh no! Is in overtime. Yeah. Is what um, led to the loss, if I remember correctly. Yeah. A lot of things led to the loss. Don't mm-hmm. don't you oh, put that yeah. on on friend of the standpoint. <laughs> yeah. Noah Fant. Yeah. And <laughs> and hopefully enemy of another podcast. <laughs> oh boy um so i guess that does it ben i guess that does it we'll i'll have a full breakdown of the the sets for our next podcast yeah i was gonna say i don't have top shot in me tonight neither do i okay i i think it's um heavy metal lawyer shout out to you he he sent me a twitter message and i, I think what we had discussed in terms of supply just not existing in the way that it needed to has finally been reached. It is a saturated market. Oh, really? And I think it's going to stay that way. It's all I, I don't even really. No comment. <laughs> okay. It's worth what it is. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> I know, I know. Well, that's why you never put more money than you're willing to lose into these things. Yeah, I think I'm fine. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give yeah. it some time to to Good ferment point. a little bit. Hopefully, it ages like a nice Ben Ross limoncello. Yeah, that's how you. I don't think that's how. It works. That's how you bring that one yeah. back, Ben. Okay, that's how you bring that one. It back. It always goes back to the lemon tree. Ah, nicely done mm-hmm. for Ben Ross for myself, Harrison Star. Go Hawks. Don't go to DC's kids.